I'm just going to listen to the Lord. I feel like I got something for us this morning. I want to quickly just touch on authority of our of our kingdom principle and our kingdom authority and um, something I'm learning. Yesterday I was mowing the lawn and I mowed it twice because I was listening to Jake Hamilton. If you know anything about Jake Hamilton, he's like a Christian rock artist and he's just singing anthems over and over in his songs and the Lord was just speaking to me through his songs and um, I think it's Matthew. If you want to turn, sure. I'll preach for a minute. Just going to go with it. Shouldn't have given me the mic, John. Yeah, Matthew 5, verse 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. As John was praying, the Lord was reminding me that light does not question its authority in the face of darkness. It does not wonder if it can overcome. It does not struggle against darkness. It simply shines and darkness cannot overcome it. It is who he is. The great I am. He, he exists and he is and he just overcomes. It's his being. It's his nature. And darkness cannot overcome him. In him there is no passing shadow. And Jesus tells us in this passage that you are the light of the world. And he, he himself claimed that he is the light of the world. And then he calls us to join him in that mission to be the light of the world. And I want to simply point out this. This is my word that I received yesterday. I want to share with us this morning. It goes all the way back to Genesis. I know it by heart. Verse 3, see, Jesus came as the Word of God in flesh, right? To live and set an example. And in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, it says this, God said, let there be light. And from that moment forth, creation sprung out. And then God gave us His image, and His Word was light. The authority of God is to push back the darkness, and He wrapped that authority in flesh and called it Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to give us the same authority that we can be the light of the world. And he says it right in the beginning, right? The first part of the opening of creation. He says, my mission, my plan, my, my unveiling of my purpose is that light would push back. And it wouldn't question, it wouldn't worry, it would just simply overcome. And so I challenge us this morning, I challenge myself, the Lord is challenging me that that we would come to understand that identity within us. That we walk as light bearers. And by being an image of God, we overcome. We step into victory. The battle is won. Amen? Amen.
guess we're all just going to take turns today. You know, in the passage where John just shared from Matthew chapter five, it's talking about us being the light of the world. And it said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put your light under a basket and hide it. You know, if you're trying to create light, you want it to be exposed. And, uh, from the very first song that we were singing this morning, I, I began to just begin to pray, God, just begin to break down our walls, break down our walls. And then the next song was spirit break out, <laughs> break break out down our walls. And I was like, Oh, that was weird. I mean, I don't know that I knew that that was coming. And then when we got to defender, I just felt like the Lord said, uh, it's, it's time to, to allow the walls of defensiveness to drop this. I, I really think that this is a specific word for somebody in this house. Maybe lots of you. God has a way for you that is so much better than you living as your own defender. And <clears throat> I would have amended that for a lot of my life and never done anything about it. I want you to hear this. God has a way for you to live with him being your defender, not yourself. But what happens is when we have, when we come into contact with people who wound us, we think, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and hide right here, you know, behind my little wall, and I'll allow you to see what I want you to see. I'll go ahead and put my basket under, a basket over my light here, and I'll just peek out when I feel like it's safe. Because if I came all the way out, In front of you, that would just be entirely too scary. Does anybody live their life like this? I know, I know this. I'm familiar with it. Because there's a a vulnerability of being light without any defense. But when you come to the place where you allow Jesus to be your defender and you recognize that that's all you need. It gives you the freedom to just be who you're called to be in all of your authority with no apology and with no fear of being wounded. I had this encounter last year at the women's retreat where the Lord just undid me in this area. And I felt like I had to stand for an entire worship set like this. Just worshiping. And the Lord said, no, you will not move. I was like, I'm ready to just kind of like do something different. He said, no, you will not move. I want you to understand that this is the way that you are to live your life. Defenseless. Would you let me be your defender? Would you trust me enough as you love people to be fully you and not hold back? And so if you 
if you will hear that this morning, I feel like that's something that the Lord was just doing in our worship time was saying, I want to tear down those walls of defensiveness. I want to break down the lies that you have to protect yourself, that you have to hide part of who you are, that you can't be full light because it might just be too blinding for some people, or I can't share that part of my life because people get too judgy, or I can't do this because somebody's going to make fun of me, or I can't, you know, that that's really how we process a lot of times as humans. We, we decide what we let other people see. But if you will allow the Lord to begin to crumble those walls this morning in the spirit and say, okay, I'll let you be my defender. I'll step into it. I'll be still. I'll walk in your authority. I will shine my light so bright and I will allow you to be the one who guards my heart and who goes before me and defends me. And you know what I'm learning this year? It's so much better his way. Just like the song says, I don't think I've ever put that song in the right context. I always thought it was weird that we were singing. It's so much better your way after we're talking about defending. And I was like, Oh, I get it. Cause I'm living it now. Like it is so much better your way. It's so much better, so much easier to just allow the Lord to go before me as my guard, to be the one who covers my heart, who is my protector and my defender, rather than doing it out of my own strength. Uh, and I believe that that's when we step into what John was talking about, when we can, when we can let go of that stuff and stop controlling our own <laughs> everything, our own light, our own authority, our own all the things. When we release that, then we step into the light of the world like we're supposed to be. Amen? Lord, right now I just speak to every heart that's covered in walls of defensiveness. And I pray, God, that you would just begin to crush those, that they would begin to crumble, that there would be uh, a willingness to come out from behind the walls. God, thank you for, for releasing courage this morning for people to, to figure out how to live a new way, to be free, to be the light that you've created them to be, God, to, to walk in the authority that you've called them to walk in, to love people fiercely without having to hold back. God, thank you for beginning to break down the walls this morning in people's lives in Jesus' name. I want to look at that in the word here a little bit. It's Exodus chapter 14, if you want to turn to Exodus 14. This is, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there's the people of God were enslaved for uh, over 400 years. Um, I mean, that's that's a long time. I don't know if you've thought about that when the, the when the people of Israel they went to Egypt. I mean, they were there um, longer than you, the United States has been in existence. Just think about, think about all the history that's happened from like, uh, who's the first president? No, George Washington. You know, just, just that whole idea in the, you know, the 17, late 1700s, our nation was established. You got the Declaration of Independence. 
200 years before I was born. Uh, you got the, the Constitution in 1789, was it? You've got all that, you know, first president. All that stuff's happening. Um, well, we, we're, not even, we're not even close to 400 years yet. How many years is that? I don't know. It's like three. Thank you. <laughs> 200 and something, 90 something. So just about... We're getting getting close to three hundred years, maybe. So, um, yeah, we're we're just we're just getting getting it in the horizon. So they were they were enslaved for four hundred years. Think of how many generations there are. Anybody do the family tree thing? I don't, but just if you do, you do the family tree thing. You start you start going back. You, you know, you do all this history and research, and there's all kinds of fascinating things that you find. Everybody who, who I've her does it, you know, finds out all kinds of fascinating stuff and uh, begins to discover things about their family and some good, some bad, you know. Some of it's like, oh, that's great. And then others are like, oh, man, I see why we didn't talk about that, you know. <laughs> you know, like that that part of the family history gets left out of the scrapbook, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's picture, certain pictures you don't put in the scrapbook because you're like, oh, that, we don't want to remember that. So all that history is going on and then God finally at one point just says, look, Now's the time. Now's the time for change. And so he, of course, sends Moses, who's a little reluctant. And Moses goes and, uh, you know, this is like when he's 80 years old, too. This is where he's thinking, I'm already done with my life. God's like, no, you're just about to begin to live the reason you were born. I mean, Moses was born to be a deliverer. I mean, he was. it wasn't like... Well, you know, God decided after 80 years, like, well, you've worked your way up now, and uh, you've been a good good boy. <laughs> no, when Moses was born, he was born to be a deliverer. I mean, he was delivered, first of all, he experienced himself. He was delivered from death because he was placed in the river to die. And God used the enemy's camp to deliver him. And so then Moses grows up in the palace. He experiences all these blessings. And then, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the story uh, or haven't seen the movie The Ten Commandments or something, uh, you know, Moses sees someone mistreating uh, one of the Hebrew people, the, the, the Israelites, the people of, of, of God. And uh, he kills that Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And it gets found out. He, he gets word that it wasn't a total secret. Uh, you know, because when you're in a flat desert, you can see everything for a long ways. Have you noticed that around here? You know, so I'm not sure how Moses thought he could get away with that. But uh, so he he runs and just he's in exile for 40 years. He gets married. He has a family. I mean, he lives a whole life. I mean, Moses lives for 40 years, and he's a shepherd, and he has kids, and he's uh, in the land of what is it, land of Goshen, and. Uh, you know, has has this full life, and then he he experiences a, a God encounter again, where he he has the burning bush experience, and the and the bush burns, and God speaks to him from the bush and says, "You're the one." I mean, and it's interesting that Moses, before he was trying to deliver his people, but he was doing it in his own strength. And it was, it was all messed up. You know, have you noticed that when you try something in your own strength that 
you know, people get hurt that aren't supposed to get hurt and things happen that aren't supposed to happen. It just, it just doesn't work out right. It never, it never seems to, to happen exactly. You might even get a little bit of the good result, but it's not totally good. And so God says, Hey, that desire in your heart is good, but you were just going about it the wrong way and maybe at the wrong time. But now's the time. Now's the time to go, and you're gonna go, you're not gonna go to the, you know, the people, you're not gonna go to the lowest guy, you're gonna go straight to, straight to the top, you're gonna go to Pharaoh, and you're gonna say, let my people go. After 400, and I think it was, yeah, over 400 years, at this time, you know, he's gonna say, this is all changing, and we're leaving, and, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, get Egypt here, you know, give Pharaoh, a tiny bit of credit here. Uh, you know, his whole life has been this way. Uh, their whole life has been this way for generations upon generations. This is just the way life is. This is the way the government works. This is the way things are supposed to be. Uh, you know, and Moses comes in and says, you know, hey, I know I've been gone for 40 years. You may recognize me. I kind of grew up in the palace here. Um, and I just want to let you know that, that we're all leaving. And because I say so, and I'm coming from God, um, you need to do what I say. Um, I mean, if we walked into the president or whoever on the, you know, I walk into the president and say, you're going to do what I say because of this. Wait, excuse me? Who are you again? So all that happens. So, you know, the, the story goes on, of course, and, you know, the, God confirms his word. He sends the plagues and says, he, he puts pressure on, on the enemy to say, you have to let my people go. You have to let my people go. You know, even then he's fighting for them. And finally, you know, after, after all the plagues, they just say, please get on out of here. After the death of the firstborn and all that horrific stuff, it's just, it's terrible that it even has to get to that point. And, but God says, look, my people have to be free. And so that's where, uh, this story picks up in Exodus 14. And it says this, when the, this is 14 and verse 5, it's not going to be on the screen, so you're going to have to have your Bible open. So we're, we're rolling with the, the punches today. Um, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? <laughs> we have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. And the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside that place, Pi-Haheroth, in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. And the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. And they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Wow. You know, just there's all kinds of stuff going on there with, with, uh, and let's just sit in judgment right now and say, yeah, we would never do anything like that, right? <laughs> 
we would never have this attitude. We would never complain. We would never question why God is doing something or using someone in our lives. Uh, we, we would, we would not do that. So, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you must be still or quiet. It's right in the Bible here, you know. One way that God rescues us is for us to do nothing. To just let him. To give up. I mean, God even rescued, these are a bunch of complaining people. They're just, they're, they don't have faith yet. They're not even believing God. It's simply because of who they are. He says, this is mine. This one's mine. They don't know how to act yet. They don't know how to think yet. They don't know how to talk yet. (laughs) They don't know how to believe yet. But this one's mine. The Lord will fight for you. And then the Lord said to Moses, he does bring correction. He's like, look, you don't need to stay in this place. Why Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. The Egyptians know, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Look at this. Then the angel of God, verse 19, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. How are they being led? There was the, the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was cloud and darkness. It lit up the night and neither group came near the other all night long. You know, that's a little part that we don't ever remember from this, from this account is that the Red Sea wasn't parted right away. There was a whole night of waiting. There was a whole time of darkness waiting where God was just protecting them. You know, sometimes you might say, God, when are you going to do something? I'm, I'm ready for the part of the Red Sea and it's the night. It's just like, what's going on there? I don't, I don't know, you know, I, there's a cloud, there's something going on, but can't they just go through the cloud, you know? Can't, can't the army just, just get on through? It says all night long. Here's the deal. I think God just said, guess what? Before I free you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to sleep. You're just gonna, you're just gonna rest. You're, you're gonna know that it's me. You know, this, there's gonna be no confusion here. It's not even, Moses is not gonna get the credit. You know, it's, you know, there's no confusion here. The only way you're being rescued right now is God.
Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea with a powerful east wind all that night, and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. So then the Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. And listen to what they say. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because... The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots. And horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh, had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him, and in his servant, Moses. And then in chapter 15 is basically, that's when they have the big worship celebration. You know, that's when they the, bring the tambourine, literally bring the tambourine out, and uh, have a huge celebration and praise. But I think what we can get from this is the, the message that God is saying today, especially the word that my wife gave, is, is right here in, in the word of God. Where God fights our battles. And maybe some of us today just need to hear that. Some of us need to know, hey, maybe we're in the night watch right now. And we can't see what's going on. Things are confusing. There's there's a cloud overward, and we're like, is that God or is that not God? Or what's going on with that? Uh you know, is, is that good? Is that bad? Is, you know, is it going to stay there? Is, is, is it going to be enough? Uh, what am I going to have to do? And then it says all night, what was God doing? He was, he was blowing the, he sent the winds and it began to blow up upon the, uh, the Red Sea. Hopefully I wasn't confusing with the Jordan River, you know, you got those two crossings. Uh, so this was the Red Sea. And so it says all night long, you know, there was probably some of them that were asleep, you know, the ones that decided, Hey, we can't do anything. Let's just, let's just go to bed. Let's just rest. And, uh, God was at work even when they couldn't see it. The, the winds were blowing on the Red Sea before the path was cleared. And they just had to trust in the Lord to be quiet and still before Him and allow Him to fight for them. So I, I really think we need to respond. I think I think that word that my wife gave was was right on. I mean, and uh, thank you, John, too, for uh, leading us in with that idea of light and identity. 
you know, it doesn't say that you become the light of the world. It says you are the light of the world. It says you are the salt of the earth. It doesn't say try to, try to make yourself something that, that you can't be apart from God. But I, I want us to just maybe have an actual time of where we respond to God and lay down our defenses. So, I need you to come back up. Yep. Felicia. And the, I don't know that, uh, whoever wants to come up on the worship team, I'm not going to come up. So, <laughs> just let, give you that warning. But I just want you to lead us in that, in that song again, that last song. And we need, we need to respond to God and say, God, if you just need to sit in stillness and let the song be sung over you, that's fine. Because maybe that's what you need to do. If you need to, if you feel like there's a defense that you have up, you know, you've got your, you, you've been your own defender, you, you've got the defenses up, whatever that defense is, uh, it could be just the way you always react to hard times where you withdraw, where you hide yourself away from people, where you kind of uh, cut yourself off and say, okay, you know, I knew I shouldn't have trusted, trusted those people. Whatever it is, whatever that defense is, I want to somehow to say I'm going to lay down those defenses. If you need to come forward and just as, a, as an act of, uh, response to the Lord, just kind of lay something here, just like literally say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay down my defenses. Then, then feel free. So however you want, want to respond to the Lord, I'm gonna pray and then just, we're gonna, we're just gonna respond to Him. Uh, I want you to stand. Start standing. If you want to sit down after, that's fine. If that's your response. But make sure it's a response, not just I'm bored or I'm, you know, you know, I'm just, just gonna sit down. Make, make it a response of saying, this is me willingly saying, God, I'm trusting you to be my defender, to fight the battle that I cannot fight. So right now, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We, we invite you to lead us to respond. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to each and every one of us in a different way. You're leading us, Lord. There's things going on in our lives that only you know about. And so we are asking you to come and minister to us right now and that we're going to respond to you. We thank you, Lord, that this is truly how we we stand and see the victory. Sometimes it's just to praise you. Sometimes it's to lift our hallelujah, to raise our voices. Lord, sometimes it's just to be quiet and say, God, I, I, I'm just going to trust in you. I'm not going to do anything. It's not going to be me. You're, you're the one that's defeating the giants. You're the, you're the David to my giant. I'm just going to sit here and watch you bring victory. I'm going to I'm going to cheer and praise, but I'm not going to be the one waving the sling. I'm going to be the one that sees the giant fall by your hand. We just thank you for that. In Jesus name. Amen. Just go ahead and just respond to God.